0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: He is just an obsessive goal scorer.
2: But they have to understand I'm just to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the it back. I've I got a problem with soccer football start
3: all right we're live welcome to house of champions youtube friends Drop in your comments and those questions in the chat and make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we get stuck into the champions league round of 16 ties we are in the second leg and how's the champions today? We've got Nigel, Rio, Coco, and Michael Hood. Nigel, how are you doing?
2: I'm great, thanks, mate. Always a pleasure to see you. I see you bringing back the throwback Adidas tracksuits, mate. I remember when I used to get them free back in the day, but nice Ooh.
3: to see you. Ooh. That was a long time ago, though. Hey,
1: Michael, <laughs> time ago. Um, I'm doing well, you know. Champions League of all sorts. You got UEFA Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League, but here we're here to talk UEFA Champions League, so we'll put that out the window. I can't believe he said conquer I
3: have no idea what you just said there. Uh, I think we'll just <laughs> skip what you just said there and get stuck into what just happened here. Champions League, last 16 round of uh, 16. Obviously, second legs just taking place here. The game just ended at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea getting the all important win by two goals to Raheem Sterling and Kai Havertz with the goals. Nigel Rio Coker. Convincing victory? Not necessarily so. Chelsea got the job done. That's probably as far as I would say.
2: In that overall analysis, Ian, Chelsea got the job done. That's what needed to be done. We can't act to say for the past couple of weeks we've seen any kind of identity with this Chelsea team. It's a bunch of talented players being put together and asked to play football. And they have moments of brilliance and they have a lot of moments of what the hell is going on here. So for me, I think when you look at the recent run of results, that was just get the job done. It didn't matter about performance, didn't matter about style, get the job done. But at this level, if you're going to judge at Champions League level, for me, there's so many questions still about this Chelsea team. I felt for me that that Dortmund didn't perform. Dortmund were really lacking attacking-wise. But I would say the Chelsea players have bought their manager Graham Potter a bit more time. You know, it wasn't a performance that's great, but yeah, it happened.
3: On the other side, Mike, Borussia Dortmund, they were late to the stadium. They were probably better to just stay on the bus. They just didn't perform today.
1: Yeah, it looked like they were still celebrating the the win over RB Leipzig. Maybe they have one eye towards the next round already thinking this was done and dusted. But this is what happens when you don't show up. When you're playing against English clubs in the Champions League or any league, you have to bring the effort. They were second best Duels. They got wiped off the floor. Just second balls. Little details in the game that Dortmund had been doing so well. Defensively, though, all over the place. Remember when we were talking a couple weeks ago? I was at the Freiburg game. Where, yes, they scored a lot of goals, but it was the calamity of goals. I thought I was watching the Freiburg game again, where players were whiffing clearances, kicking each other. And if you do that against a Chelsea team, I don't care what team, especially a Chelsea team that do still have quality players, individuals on their day, you're going to give them chance after chance. And eventually the dam broke.
3: A shout-out to everybody who's in the House of Champions chat right now. We've got E. Arbo asking why Reyna's on the pitch. He should have moved Wolf up into put Hummels in that position. Terzic freaked out when Brandt got injured. Interesting comment right there. Obviously, Julian Brandt, a big miss for them. He also added that Reyna is horrible. I can't believe he's even on the Ooh. field. What a Ouch. joke. What up to SSB28, Vic? Hey, there you go. Up the Chelsea. We did it against all the odds right there. Vic, you absolutely did. Everyone betting against Chelsea. Well, pretty much everybody betting against Chelsea. Uh, I think James Bench actually predicted that Chelsea would go through. Uh, we've got more coming in here. Uh, who else here? Clean sheet against a team that won 10 games on the spin. We won. Yeah absolutely but Nigel I think that the most important point of this game was getting that first goal we had to wait a while for that first goal but it came thanks to Raheem Sterling who has now scored 27 Champions League goals only win Rudy ahead of him on 30 goals in the Champions League Raheem Sterling also the first ever English player to score 20 goals at home in the Champions League so not only does he like scoring Champions League goals he likes scoring at home but He's not been great for Raheem
2: Sterling, but this moment right here, just ahead of halftime, was a big moment in the game. It was a big moment, but in overall, when I look at that performance for me, it wasn't a great performance by Sterling. It really wasn't. I have to be honest. I think he got the goal. Yes, that's what people are going to look at. Performance-wise for the standard and what we expect from Raheem Sterling, it wasn't great. And I know he's going to know that himself. I felt that the first chance he had early on in the game was probably the best chance of the game when he was one-on-one with the keeper and he kind of looked like He was in two minds and I think for me when you look at him in that situation that describes what we see in this whole Chelsea team right now where everyone still doesn't completely know what they're doing or what's expected of them they're they're a bunch of individuals talented individuals as they are but they are a bunch of individuals they are not a team right now um Big goal for Sterling. It had to be him. You know, a f- bit fortunate with the rebound and the tackling in there. I think you said it in our group chat. It was like Michael Lahoud defending back in his day, right? <laughs> Where Ricochet can't clear the ball. Oh, but um, man. He took it I well. He just was- lashed it into the back of the net. And, you know, it was great for him. But again, man, it, it, it's one of those interesting ones. It, again, did Dortmund really turn up? Did Dortmund show Chelsea too much respect? Yep. A Dortmund a dangerous yeah. team without the pace of Adiemi and the youngsters that they're missing there? And cuckoo, I think like they're the young players there who make this Dortmund team that extra bit different, you know. Um, but again, I think for me, it's just Chelsea getting the job done, they got the job done, and maybe the next round is where we're really going to see where they're at because the teams that qualified today, when you look at Benfica and then you look at the other rounds, they're going to be the teams that really give this Chelsea team a bit of a run for their money.
1: No. I think I agree with you, Niage, and Dorman didn't show up, but I was actually more impressed with this Chelsea front three and their movement. No, did they have the clinical finishes that you would expect from a Chelsea team, given some of those chances? Absolutely not. But the front three looked more cohesive than I've seen them look in Champions League or in any league game this season under the Todd Boley era. And looking at the tactics of it, and I'll keep it very short with the tactics because you know I can go down a freaking hole with that. But oh, wait, it was no. Sterling, it was Sterling utilizing his pace. Girl Felix, Kai Havarts dropping off the two center backs, and both of those center backs, Nicolas Sula and Slaughterback, they ball watch. You could drive a MAC 10 truck. Between the two of them with how yeah. isolated they, they each are. And that created running lanes, Raheem Sterling. So I thought that tactical wrinkle, Sterling did well to recognize what he needed to do to be effective. Now we go to the chances missed. The the 1v1 Nights, you and I were on the phone when it happened. It's it's an example of a striker lacking confidence. And he was very fortunate. Had it been anyone but Marco Royce, and I, I love Marco Royce, but just piss poor tackling from your captain. And if you do that in the Champions League, any league, you'll get punished. And he did there.
2: But Mike, even though when you say that, so sorry, you know, when you say about Raheem Sterling, there was times when old Raheem Sterling, when he was through on goal, running along the line and balls were played to his feet. His first touch went straight off the pitch. You know, so for me, there's a big confidence issue there. And it it should be worrying. Chelsea still haven't got a recognized number nine. Kyle Havertz is not a recognized number nine. They are struggling to score goals. And still, even at times, when Borussia Dortmund did manage to combine and put a few passes together and be a bit more brave, they had some good chances. You know, Drew Belling had a good chance at the end where he'd Mm -hmm. come off his shin. So they are still Mm -hmm. vulnerable defensively when teams go out there with confidence. I feel if Dortmund were a lot more aggressive, getting balls in behind, forcing Chelsea to actually defend and go backwards and defend, they would have made that Chelsea team a lot more uncomfortable. But for me, I just think that Dortmund made it all too easy for them. Here's a couple of stats for you. Graham Potter has become just the
3: second English manager to win five UEFA Champions League games in a single season after Sir Bobby Robson with Newcastle in 2002-2003. And Chelsea have now progressed from five UEFA Champions League knockout stage ties after losing the first leg, the joint most by any team in the competition's history with Barcelona, Juventus and Real Madrid also on five. Let's welcome in James Benj to the show. Uh, James, welcome right. to the show, buddy. I think you uh, predicted this Whoa. one almost correctly. You thought maybe a bit of extra time, but I think you thought that Chelsea would go through, right? I, the key thing is
4: I said two goal, uh, two goal, sorry. My ring light has gone absolutely mad. Uh, the key thing is I said uh, two goal aggregate margin. <laughs> Bear with me. And that's what happened. Uh, yeah, I I kind of always saw that with Chelsea. I, I, I heard what Mike was saying there and... I mean, it's true that, and what Nigel was saying, and it's true, certainly, that this is a team of really underwhelming finishers who who could be doing a lot better in front of goal. But, but the key thing is, if you keep getting in these positions to have these shots on goal, it's going to come good eventually. And it sort of feels like Chelsea's tale of the last six weeks, six games, has been how many chances can they miss? How much bad luck can one team have? Well... To an not extent, James. it all started
2: breaking today. You can't say bad luck, James. Come on, oh, you cannot is. say bad luck. For these uh, level of players, for the calibre of players they have, and at that level there, that's not bad luck. Like, that, them type of chances have to be ending up in the back of the goal. They have well, to, I'm sorry.
4: But, but, they do, but they don't always. And we know that, like, Raheem Sterling is a player that is going to... You know, one of Raheem Sterling's great qualities is he will miss the sitter and he will brush himself off and he will go again and again. And the best... You know, the, the different th- this Chelsea team's not a great team. It's not going to win the Champions League. But the difference between this one and the one from a few weeks ago is they are at least getting in the position to miss chances. And like it's a low bar for Chelsea. It's a low bar for a team whose fans quite understandably have become accustomed to expecting their teams to compete for Champions Leagues. But I thought they had a really good game today, in much the same way that they had pretty good games against Dortmund, against West Ham against Leeds uh, and didn't always get the rewards for that. Sometimes the breaks come your way and it was really funny, wasn't it? The moment Chelsea got that first goal, it was like everything suddenly was coming their way. You know, Havertz misses a penalty, but he gets another chance at it. Jude Bellingham flicks wide <laughs> from, uh, what was it, five, six yards out. Yeah. You know, sometimes this, this is what you need. You you kind of earn your luck in football and continually getting in the right position has, has put Chelsea...
3: Into a, into a space where their finishing luck was was there tonight. It's not necessarily just luck, though. You also need that opposition. You know, you mentioned luck, but you also need that opposition to just not turn up on the night because Borussia Dortmund just simply didn't turn up tonight. They had a couple yeah. of good chances in the game like we, we obviously saw in James you just mentioned there. But... Nowhere near at the races. Alaire doesn't look anywhere near 100% yeah. fit right now. He's way off the pace. Um, they've obviously struggled. As Nigel pointed out, there's no Mukoko there. There's no Adiyemi. They don't have pace to get in behind without Julian Brandt. Who, James, you pointed out in the preview show, what a season he's been having, and to lose him so early on, they didn't look like they were ready to rotate the starting eleven very quickly. And then you see Gio Reyna. Getting up he was and dreadful. It, and it has to be at said. times oh, oh, he looked he looked very uninterested, Gio Reyna, At times, do you mind if I just touch upon the fact what you just pointed up there, though, James, is the Kai Havertz penalty kick here, just for Nigel Rio Coker? Because Nigel, we were talking back and <laughs> forth on the, the conversation. Do you do you see it now why the penalty kick was retaken?
2: I do. I do see why. I see why the penalty was given, and I think at times it's harsh. And James said it as well. We had a little conversation if you're a modern-day football player now, they might as well put um, pockets in their shorts so that they can just put their hands in their pockets while they're defending the box. That's the only way now to protect yourself. Like, they might as well have pockets in the shorts because I've trained with some managers who hated having pockets in shorts for our training here (laughs) because players used to walk around with their hands in their pockets. One, Carlos Tevez, used to do that all the time. So Mm -hmm. we used to get rid of them. But now, put pockets in the shorts so defenders can keep their hands in their pockets because it's just ridiculous now. And then
3: retaken again because the encroachment, Mike, was the right decision in the D, even yeah. though there was a Chelsea player inside that penalty area, it was Ushan who actually cleared the ball.
1: Yeah. And looking, I, I had to go back and read the bylaws. You know, given the fact that there were two players, two or players from both teams that encroached, you have to take the, the PK. And I, I, I was incensed when I initially saw the Chelsea encroachment because that's what's obvious to the eye. But this is why the bylaws are the bylaws. I don't like it. Because I hate when dubious calls change games, VAR penalties. But at the end of the day, Borussia Dortmund did not show up. They were not deserving of making it to the next round. It has to be said. So they don't deserve to be there. Chelsea did what they had to do.
3: 100%. Real quickly, we got a comment coming in, Nigel. And before we came on air, there was a team who just went through tonight that you'd like to go up against Chelsea. And there's also oh, a comment yeah. that came in there. I can't seem to find right now. I think it was Felipe who was saying uh, that he would love to see Benfica going up against his Chelsea. It's Miguel Brandão, Benfica, Chelsea ben, in the quarterfinals. Benfica, Benfica wins fan. by how much? I'm he is a Benfica fan resistance. for sure. Yeah, I'm Nigel. Thoughts resistance. on that? What
2: thoughts on that one? Do you think Benfica knocked Chelsea out? Hell yeah. Have you seen, I watched Benfica today. They were absolutely sensational. That is what you call a team. And it's not a team of superstars. It's a team, Ian. They were sensational. I'm not going to jump okay. into them, but they were sensational. And that's what Chelsea need to try and be at. And for me, it's not just how sensational they are as a team, but as a club. And I'm sure James will know more than me in the sense of the production line, how they're selling players, how they're keeping their fans still engaged and just how the yeah. club overall is run. But they were sensational today. Woo. See, yeah. see um, was it Mario's first goal? G Mario's yeah. first goal today, which was the on the side? The back mm, heel? Yeah. Oh. ay, aye,
3: ay. Uh, Real quickly, before we do go to a quick break, James Bench, I did notice that Jude uh, Bellingham obviously had a performance tonight, not necessarily his best performance, but there was rumours today that his father had met with uh, Real Madrid's international head of football. Uh, anything mm. there to add? It wouldn't remotely surprise me. I mean, I think we all know that Bellingham's in, I don't know, the
4: the equivalent position to what Erling Haaland was last season. I know Nigel is very much of the view that, that Real Madrid is the perfect place for Bellingham. And and I completely agree. I mean, the only, the only yes. challenge with him there is Wait, that Ian, I don't need to say any more. If James agrees with me, that's
2: it. If I've got go the brains with I mean, me, the, I'm
4: good. The, the ageless Luka Modric means that, you know, he might have a bit of a, a fight on for his uh, starting spot for a few years. But I mean, I think even today, with a fairly underwhelming Bellingham performance, we saw like why you'd, you'd be crying out for him. You know, th- this guy can be, you know, that first half he was doing everything he could to put out the fires that Oz-Chan and Emre-Chan were starting. And yeah. then when when Dortmund needed a goal, who was the one getting all the shots, getting those spots in the box? It was Jude Bellingham. is like- the best midfielder of his age in the world.
2: So I was to cut your Did you see that after Chelsea got the, the lead? Did you see G Bellingham in the edge of the Chelsea box when he put I can't remember who he put through? He put through and he wanted expected him to have a shot, and then Chelsea defender came and made the clearance. Yeah, it was
4: he does that so often. I, I was watching yeah, loads yeah. of his clips for a, a piece I had
2: uh, this morning, and the number
4: of times he just draws that defender to him, whether it's you know with a run, maybe a give and go, but he draws, and the the perfect moment, I don't, I mean you guys will know better than me how complicated it is, but it clearly is one of the most difficult traits in football to be able to bring pressure and then slip that pass through.
3: Yep. Uh, Nigel, uh, just real quickly, it looks like uh, one of your relatives is back in the chat here, <laughs> Ricardo Vargas. He says, House of Champions is so refreshing. I love Nigel Río Coker. And on that <laughs> note, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with some discussion
0: over Gio Reyna in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. James bench,
3: real quickly, uh, hoping that you don't knock your microphone down as everybody welcomes back to House of Champions, uh, Giovanni Reina. Let's discuss him just mm. a little bit here before we move on to this fantastic Benfica performance against Bruges. Um, Gio Reina, I mean, again, sitting on a bench, waiting for his opportunity. What well, was probably a bit surprised to get such that amount of time on the pitch. What did you make of his performance overall today? And I want you to allude on this one as well, please, Mike.
4: Yeah, I appreciate that um, it's hard being thrown into the action like that, especially when there's a, a game plan that, that probably revolves quite heavily around Julian Brandt, who's been one of the best players in the Bundesliga so far in 2023. But he, I mean, he didn't really do anything that in any way kind of aided Dortmund's cause with or without the ball. Too many of those crosses were were slapped straight into Rhys James or into Chilwell. Um, there was some sort yeah, of I'd nice... Of there was one. There was one really good moment of of pressure high up the pitch, um, but you know you're the Borussia Dortmund number seven and their first man off the bench, as they're in a Champions League tie. I I need more. I thought Christian Pulisic. Side note: If we're doing sort of USMNT players, aside from that diabolical miss when he was offside, like I like the industry. I like the fact that he was getting involved. I just felt like Reina had a real chance here to to make his mark on this competition and it entirely passed him by.
1: Yeah, I, I look, it's easy to pick on Gio Reina. Why don't we talk about Marco Royce? He was absolute crap today. <laughs> I think it's a bit harsh to, well, to say we're, Gio's, we're not talking champion. about Royce. Yeah. We're talking about Rayna. Yeah. Why are you two, this, like, we're this talking about we Anti this is the anti US MNT agenda that's happening right now. No, and I'm, I just said it. Yes, mate. He's just I, the, he, the reina. In, we look, Gio Reyna, no, was he spectacular? No, but to say he was shy, I think that's a bit harsh. He created one of their best chances of the night, Marius Wolf had a golden opportunity that Kepa saved, good low save from Kepa, but there wasn't enough moments of that. But I, I think it's a, it's a bit harsh to say he was shite. I think overall, Dortmund what, what, just... What could he do, Mike, more, what could he do more, though, Michael? If you look at Giovanni Reyna's performance in general,
3: and obviously there will be criticism because he is American, and of course we expect more from him, and of course all the BS that's going on around the U.S. national team, what more could he have done, though, from your point of view? I'll jump in
1: after that. I think... He played a bit too simple at different times. And it goes back to his body language and not being you know being a bit disinterested, at least from a player like a Marco Royce or some of the other Dortmund players, they're trying to get on opposite flanks, trying to create, trying to do anything but be stagnant. And it it took too long for him to to come up with something. And when he did, when he at least took an extra touch. When he at least dropped a shoulder, it created a spark for Borussia Dortmund. I, I think it was, maybe it's a bit too much sulking. Maybe it's still pondering, why am I coming off the bench? So the criticism is there for him, but he still did create a really good chance for Bruce Borussia Dortmund, I thought.
2: This mm-hmm. is why I can't stand this whole US thing and I call them suburb babies. Michael. From James' perspective, and I'm sure James would agree with me on this, you're playing Champions League for Borussia Dortmund against Chelsea. You got given an opportunity coming off the bench. I don't care how old you are, whether you're 19 or 20. This is your moment. Take the platform. The stage is there. The lights are there. Show us that you are this top player in European football that people say, or you're one of the top players for the US national team. You didn't do that. If, a, if you're a coach or a manager and you're giving these young players an opportunity, you've got to tell them, this is your moment. Take it. There's other Did players do that are younger than him. Did do that tonight? Did Jude Bellingham do that tonight? Dude mm. didn't play well, but Jude's been consistent. Gio hasn't been consistent. You'd be given opportunity against Chelsea. That's the difference. And again, Michael went to Michael Rose. I don't Look know if you can he say he's not
3: being guys. consistent, no, Nigel, because he's been coming off the bench and scoring goals. And the one start he did have was the game that he didn't score and then he hasn't played since. So it's okay, hard but to today is pretty consistent. much a
2: start, Ian. What, what are, are you going to say? Oh, because you haven't played recently. No, you got judge them all this. You're a young player. Go out there. The stage is set. The platform is there. The lights are there. Show it. Show it like because we're making too many excuses for some of these young players. There's young players who would go in and absolutely love that environment, would love that pressure, would love being thrown at the deep end. That's what yep. he needs to do. You're competing against the best. If you're going to compete against the best, your attitude and mindset has to be, I'm going to make this about me. I'm going to take the game by the scuff of the neck. No one stopped I agree to with the, the ball and running at a fullback. No one stopped.
3: I agree with that. that. Nigel, Mike, I agree with that. And this, Mike, I'm coming back to you on this one there. Yeah. I agree with that because it, many times it really annoys me, his body language, when he gives up the ball, he throws his arms around. And at times he looks disinterested. And I think that's just his nature. If you look at his body language at times, he just looks like disinterested and all of a sudden he picks up the ball and he can do a bit of magic but tonight needed that inspiration it wasn't coming as you pointed out from Royce it wasn't coming from Wolf it wasn't coming from Sulu who actually had a decent game tonight um, but it wasn't coming from the players who had experience so tonight needed someone to really step up that youngster to just step up and grab this game and I was hoping that it was going to be Reyna when I saw him come onto the pitch. I thought, wow, this is a real opportunity for Gio to really make a statement here. And he didn't do that tonight. So maybe a, a little comment from you on the body language before we do move on to the most impressive yeah. performance tonight, which was. Uh, obviously and I,
1: and I, I, I'm glad we're talking about that because that is one thing I, I do very much agree with all of you on, is it's, it's I don't know if it's a personality thing, but if you're going to have any sort of star-studded career, if you're going to be at the fulcrum of whatever the U.S. men's national team wants to do in 2026, if you want to continue to put just what happened with the Reina family and his parents in the rear view, mirror, rear view mirror, you're going to have to do your talking on the pitch. And today was a missed opportunity. I do like and I still do have hope for him because there's a lot of big games. It didn't happen tonight, but there are still a lot of massive games to be had. The injury to Julian Brandt, that is his life card, or his is kind of a get out of jail free card. I think that is an opportunity now that he has in the German Bundesliga. He will most likely, given the lengthy layoff of Brandt, he will most likely be suiting up April first against Bayern Munich. That's another test for him to show what he can do. Delboy jumping
3: in and saying, "Stop making excuses for American players. Compare him to Saka, a younger player, which is a great, great comment." Right there. 100%. Yeah, go on, James. I mean, be fair.
4: You don't have to compare him to Saka. I mean, there are <laughs> very young <few laughs> players is um, on a
2: level, level. You're right, James. You're
1: yeah, right. You can't that, that, that I, that I agree.
2: So you can't. Yeah. But, but you know um, what? I mean, I mean he, he, should, he, should, he
4: should be doing that to himself.
2: Like, but we've Ian, seen the talent in flashes. I agree. Like you said, right? We've all seen it. We've seen what Adiemi brings to this Dortmund side. Yes. Why can't Jorena be like Adeyemi and have that impact? You think Adiemi's going to be scared and intimidated? You think if he played against Chelsea today, he's not going to say, right. I'm going to make sure everyone remembers my name.
3: Yep. I agree actually, with you, yeah. Nigel. Uh, we got to move on because we've got to talk about your favorite team today, and I know you watched this <laughs> game, so I'll come to you first on this one here. And then you guys just please follow up. Uh, Benfica getting the convincing victory. Thanks to all of our followers here who are obviously big Benfica fans and Portuguese soccer fans as well. Uh, continue to spread the word. But what a convincing performance yeah. this was. It took a minute. Yeah. Uh, literally one minute for Benfica to get a goal and then it was, of course, ruled up for offside. Fabulous finish it was from Gial Mario, uh, And then Rafa Silva, Gonzalo Ramos got a couple. Of Mario jumped in and then David Neres scored a beauty to make it 5-0 before Bjorn Meyer pulled off a wonderful consolation goal for Scott Parker's men. This was a humiliation, Nigel. It was a very, very good performance. Uh, let me get your comments because you did watch this game and you thoroughly enjoyed
2: it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I want to give a golf clap. For Rafa Silva, for anyone who hasn't seen the goal, go watch the goal. Because for me, that's a goal of pure quality and ingenuity because gets the ball in the box, turns, he already knows where he's going to put the ball and goes with the outside of his foot while losing balance and just bends it into that corner. For me, Ramos again, fantastic. Mario again, fantastic. They're three players that are highlighted in something else I did earlier today. This Benfica team is serious. They mean business. They And the thing I like about them is, I know we always say, oh, this is a good team. No. This is a good team because I love them because they can play football. They can play free when they need to be, and they can also be direct. They are a very versatile team. And yes, they have Otamendi in the back as well, who I've watched when he was at the Premier League. Can be a bit of a loose cannon at times, but they found their feet. They found their home. Club Rouge were just outclassed and outplayed today. They really were outclassed and outplayed. And I think this Benfica team excites me just like watching Napoli. They're the only two teams that really excite me when you watch them play because they play the football the type of way that I like to play, the type of way that I would love to watch football played. Aggressive attacking, no fear, defend when you have to defend, but still playing on that front foot and just some sexy football. I've just Hmm. seen the first goal. (sighs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. exactly. That's
2: that's what you call class.
1: Yeah, I... uh... What I like about Benfica and what they're doing, they're doing it without one of their best players in Enzo Fernandez who's at Chelsea now. To be able to still show the hunger, to be able to still show that you can do it as a team.
2: <laughs> they're all What's laughing that? at you. Because you're still talking about Fernandez and he's not there.
1: Mate, I'm saying... He was, part of, he was a big part of their group stage. Look, he was, a, he was a Benfica player in the group stages. Mind you, what? They got results against PSG. They got results against Juventus. He was a part of the setup, which leads me to the rest of the team. This is a team, Jean-Mario, playing out of his mind, can't stop scoring. Rafa Silva, as you pointed out, doing what he did in the group stages – and I love the fact that their focus and really just they played with a bit between their teeth, a ruthlessness that in the first leg, I, I thought they they let the game kind of go too too long before they put the knockout blow in. And David Neres, good to see him getting a goal again, this time coming off the bench once more.
4: James. I love that, Mario. I love that stat there from Mario Castro, that Antonio Silva, 73 out of 73 passes. Look, I haven't seen this game. Uh, I was on Chelsea duty, but equally like, None of this is remotely surprising. I'll just briefly like, you know, hit on the uh, Scott Parker um, (laughs) drum again. Um, I I think, I I don't want people to come away from this like thinking I don't think Scott Parker's a good manager. I just don't think a manager that's had great success in the championship is necessarily going to be well-suited for the Belgian League and the Champions League and players. He's Realistically, he can't have known
2: much about. I just want to say this though, James. My thing is this how can he get that job when he's never played outside of England? Exactly. That's like, my th- thing. And it, this is, it's not
4: like Club Bruges have, have got a squad that is, you know, full of players they picked up from English academies that Parker might have learned through that way. You know, this is about smart recruitment of staff as well as understanding what you, what you are, like what your philosophy is, the way you play and like actually who is going to understand your players well. And, um, you know, I can't claim to be watching Club Bruges week in, week out, but I think it's pretty clear that look, Scott Parker has has his skills that are really effective in the Championship, and and might be if it might have been effective in the Premier League with Bournemouth, but they're just not cut out for this group of players. Um, and the one thing you have to say with Benfica is it's it's all well and good coming up against um, bad teams, but you kind of have to put them to the sword. And, and boy, have Benfica in the, these games!
3: real quickly a few stats here uh at 21 years old 260 days Gonzalo Ramos has become the youngest Benfica player to both score and assist in a single Champions League game in the 21st century he has now scored more goals across all competitions this season than Victor awesomeman uh, Ramos now with 22 goals awesomeman with 21 goals uh, 34 games for Ramos 26 games only for awesomeman and then this one's a nice little statistic right here Jao Mario is the first Benfica player to score in five consecutive UEFA Champions mm-hmm. League games or European Cup matches since the great Eusebio. Um, a good Nigel, real quickly, you yeah. are a big fan of Benfica. We are all big fans of Benfica watching what they're doing in the Champions League this year, but how far
2: can they really go or does it depend on the draw? I think they can go far. I really do. I, I, I don't see one team that's completely convinced me to say that they're the ones. Like, I think there's some great teams in it. I look at Benfica. I think for me, also Bayern Munich can be that team. You can never rule out Real Madrid. You look at Napoli right now. I don't think Chelsea are in that bracket at all. I still think, I think Chelsea probably will find out the next round, but there's so many good teams. And I really feel that they, they could go a long way because I can't say that they're going to be completely outclassed, or outmatched by any of those other good teams that we've seen, in my opinion. And congratulations to BC two. Just given, just had a baby. Just want to say congratulations to BC two. Oh,
1: I think uh, nothing for me. NRC said it all and then some. We just caught you on the keyboard uh, that we were on the of keyboard. Yeah,
4: I would say um, there are <laughs> maybe three teams that I would kind of like put a stamp down and say I will definitely pick them over Benfica if they drew mm. them in the quarterfinals, City. Uh, Real Madrid and whichever of Bayern, well, frankly, Bayern, not PSG. Um, and Napoli, no, four teams. Yeah, those four teams, I would say, you would make Benfica underdogs against. Anyone else, I'd, I'd find it quite hard not to Mate. back Benfica.
2: Ian, yeah, let me just say this though, right? Do you know how people say all this stuff, right? We talk about world football, we talk about most of these teams. What are they all missing, really? A striker, right? A goal scorer. Yeah. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: what does Benfica have? One of the best goal scorers in Europe and also prove himself at international level. Yeah. It's funny how people forget all this, talk about, ah, oh, they're just hype, they're that. No, they have a goal scorer, which most of your top teams that all you guys are supporting don't have. And let's not act like every team looks completely solid defensively. Do not write yeah. out this Benfica side.
3: Another, another $100 million on the table. Nigel, will be gone in the summer. Don't worry about that, mate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Only if Chelsea come knocking.
3: <laughs> yeah. Congratulations to Chelsea. Congratulations to Benfica. Congratulations to your supporters who are uh, obviously big fans of House of Champions. We appreciate all the comments that have been coming in. Thanks to everybody so much. Uh, let's take a quick break. More to come from the boys as we preview what's happening on Wednesday. House of Champions, we'll be right back.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check.
3: Love that promo, but don't miss a second of the action from the greatest club competition on earth. That is, of course, the Champions League. Follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer like Lionel Messi, like Karim Benzema, like Victor Osumin and Erling Haaland as they try to clinch the most prestigious prize in the beautiful game. Stream every single match from the Champions League and Europa League live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month for free with the promo code advance. Welcome back to House of Champions, everybody. Ian Joy, Nigel Rio-Coker, Michael Hood, and James Spenge. Let's preview Wednesday's games. Quick recap for you. Tottenham Hotspur against AC Milan. Milan with a 1-0 advantage there, going away from home to London. Bayern Munich go back home with a 1-0 advantage over Paris Saint-Germain. We begin with Bayern Munich against PSG. Michael Hood will come to you first on this one. Uh, We'll keep it quick. We'll get a quick prediction from everybody here. Quick comment on what you're expecting from this game. Mike, take it away.
1: I'm expecting goals, goals, and goals. Kylian Mbappe back to full health, back to the goals. The last, with the first leg, he came on just after half, and the game changed in favor of PSG. So unfortunate to not get the tying goal and also had a second chance to make it. No, 2-1. So Mbappe will be the X Factor for PSG. For Bayern, a player that no one is talking about enough. I know we talk about him here on House of Champions. Eric Maxime Choupo-Moting. I thought he was outstanding. I thought That's he the was lying. guy enemy. we talk about on here. <laughs> well, I guess the only guy I talk about on here. But I thought he was outstanding in the first leg. And he will be highly motivated to play against his former team.
4: Yes. yes. I, everything Mike said, really. Uh, there are goals in this. I just kind of have a little bit more faith in that Bayern defence. It's not a huge amount, but a little bit more than than PSG. Um, I said this on the preview show, so I don't want to repeat myself. But look, Bayern will defend and attack with 11 players. PSG will attack with 11 and then they will defend with nine. And that <laughs> is what loses you. I mean, at least it's nine. Like if Neymar was fit, it would be probably not even eight. Neymar would demand that someone else comes and hangs out with him up, up top of the pitch. Um that's what loses. That's what stops you winning the Champions League. Like the fact that you are not a, a cohesive unit, and it always will until until they move on from this Galactico obsession. It's the worst big three um, this side of the uh, Atlantic. It's not quite you. Durant. <laughs> Harden and uh I, I knew that Kyrie but, yeah, they like, even yeah.
2: broke up, they broke up. I knew that and frankly, like we'll know.
4: we'll do the pod where I explain why that big the PSG
3: big three
2: needs to break <laughs> up as well. That's well no going we to too that. deep
3: into that, but they're better as a two, anyway.
2: i yeah, um, no, agree with you guys. Agreed. I'm honestly with you guys, but I'm different. I think I'm gonna go. I can see biam doing it. You know, Ian yeah. in Ian, Ian will call me a biome groupie, and yes, I will be a biome groupie. <laughs> I think biam are gonna be a different beast and animal at home. Ian knows what it's like for big European nights there and what the fans are like. It's a different atmosphere, different energy. And I'm with James. Paris Saint-Germain, for the luxury and the superstars that they have, defensively, they are still super questionable. And I think that it's going to be a different tactical approach from Bayern Munich. And I'm going to go over Bayern win. PSG will shock Bayern, says
3: Del Boy right there. Mm. We also have Moting couldn't hack it on a cold Wednesday night in Stoke, but Nigel Rio Coker could. Vic saying 1 2 <laughs> to PSG, three goals <laughs> and tops. Seems like Muller is back in form from E Arribo, Luis Sassi, and I think Bayern Munich, Manchester City, and Real are the favorites. Then Napoli and Benfica, and then everybody else. Amy also jumping in. Shout out to you, Amy. AC Milan beating Spurs. Bayern Munich Ooh. beat Paris Saint-Germain. I'm not going to criticize. I'm not even actually going to make a comment because Bayern Munich helped me out a lot this week getting tickets for the Classiker for my best mate. So ah. good luck, oh, Bayern look Munich. at me. No, 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 no.
2: You're not quite right at Bayern, I'm going to call him up and <laughs> let him know how much you have. <laughs> on him. I think there's a bigger
4: issue here.
2: Why have you not got us tickets? Exactly. You, I'm not bench. even going myself. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. <laughs> That's not the question. That's not the Listen, question. Why have you bench not got us going. tickets? It's not about Listen, you saying.
3: I got tickets for my best mate who's never even left my hometown, never mind mm. Scotland, and he's going <laughs> to the Classica to take his father for his 70th. I'm not even going myself. It, and by the way, in, I don't want to be there. <laughs> Wait,
2: by the way, isn't no, Sadio Mane back as well? Ooh, On the bench. Sadio Mane is back. Yes. Ooh, on okay. the bench. I'm just yeah. saying, difference maker. Uh, just to finish uh, that game,
3: I think PSG scored three goals in this game and we'll move on. James Bench, Tottenham Ooh. Hotspur against AC Milan. It's a big ask for Tottenham because they're not in great form right now, but neither are AC Milan. So James, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I don't know if
4: AC Milan aren't in bad form. Maybe that Fiorentina result was just a bit of a, a freak. They clearly had their minds on, on this game, this trip to London. And, you know, if you set that up to one side, they're, they're a clean sheet machine. Um, the move to the back three has really tightened things up and it, it's probably brought the best out of Teo Hernandez. Um, and it obviously matches up really well with Tottenham, who kind of the more I think about this game, the more I just struggle to see a world... It's, it's a very strange thing where I can't quite see how they don't score one because they have Harry Kane in the team. But then I really struggle to see how they score more than one because... Everyone aside from Harry Kane is just a shadow of the player they were last season at best. Um, go and look at sort of Son's numbers beyond just the goals scored. He's taking more shots, but they're worse. He's playing fewer minutes. These are all the signs of a player that's like actually just in decline. It's not a wobble. Ooh, We've just harsh. seen the best of the best of Son is in the rearview mirror. The guy's thirty. Yeah. It,
2: it happens. It be right, James. Come on, James. No, 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 ah. no, no, no. I, I think. think I mean, I like, disagree like, with you on that. I These are the signs I didn't patch, but no, the, they're confidence. the signs. Like, it,
4: it, I might be wrong, and lots of players kind of no, you know, turn it
2: round. But listen to you, and I, I understand where you're coming from, but I have to disagree with you. I think for me, it really is just a confidence thing for song, it's just a run of games. But I don't think we've seen the best of him gone yet fully. Th- he's still got a what I lot of. Okay, I mean, I, think, I think I said the same uh, things about about myself. I, I think no, that's different. You could see by his attitude. Yeah, we've seen the best of it. I
1: think a big you'll see a big shift in Son once Antonio Conte leaves because he's not putting him in the best possible position. Yunmin Song is not made to play with this Harry Kane up top and him floating wide. Is he an attacking midfielder? Is he kind of a wide forward? What is he? This system doesn't get the best out of him. But against AC Milan, what worries me about Milan is the defensive solidarity that we saw a year ago was one thing. It, we're not seeing consistent performances out of that back three. In the first leg, they look like world beaters. They look like the Milan of last year, and they have revamped it, brought some younger faces in. Against Fiorentina, they were all over the place, and they gave up chances that even if you give a Tottenham Hotspurs that have been woeful in the last two matches, they will score. And I think it's how they start this game. Whoever gets that first goal, then it's all to play for, just as in the first leg. Uh, Milan came out, got the early first goal, and they look like world beaters. If Spurs get it, I see them going through. Can I just say clean Go sheet on. against Atalanta, clean sheet against Monza, admittedly,
4: clean sheet against Spurs, clean sheet against Torino? Like the defense has improved. I mean, they, and they, they held it hard in, against that, like five that five shots. I mean, look, yeah, yeah, yeah it's not, but yeah,
2: they're getting clean
1: sheets.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Before I you. jump in, I just want to say Del Boy's comment just made me laugh. Son is like, Korean fried chicken forever tasty. <laughs> and I'll find it funny because I've had Korean fried chicken and it is bloody tasty <laughs> when I was in Vancouver. <laughs> so I'm with you, Del Boy. Um, on this game, I have no bloody idea how it's going to go because these two teams are literally just, you can, for, anything can happen to these two teams. If if I had to pick one, I would have to go with AC Come Milan. Oh. I don't know if Antonio Conte is back yet, but his presence on the sideline is missing. Well, if he's back, it can be a boost. But Tottenham, for me, have just been shambolic. They've just been so inconsistent. You have a great Tottenham one week, and then you'll have a complete different team where you think you're looking at Sunday football. Um, I I think, for me, AC Milan have slowly been getting back to their best again. And then you can't kind of write out Rafael Leal. He can be a big difference maker. I'm sorry, because watching him and, you know, through you guys and the knowledge, that guy can turn a game on its head, depending on his attitude and mindset in that game. He can glide through that Tottenham defense and make something out of nothing, depending on how much he wants it. And again, uh, what Ibrahimovic is back as well. Another big yep. character and personality. So I would probably just say, I'm going against the grain. I'm going to give the edge to AC Milan.
1: Hmm.
3: Wow. Never thought that was coming there. James, can you confirm that uh, he is back, Conte, on the bench?
4: Yeah, Conte's back on the bench. Did his press conference today as well. He's pretty much um back and, and raring to go. Uh, we shall see how many Tottenham players are over the moon about that. Um but I mean certainly like, I'm looking forward to seeing him back on the bench and it's it's great to see. I'm I'm with Nigel as well. Um I have the I keep kind of I have this probably just about going to penalties. But I, if I were picking a winner, I would like I would edge I would edge Milan because I, I think you can trust them to get a goal. And like I say, I don't, um, I don't believe that Spurs can score twice.
3: Uh, Mike, uh, before we go, I've got a bone to pick with UEFA because uh, this is our final thoughts, by the way, for everybody out there who's watching House of Champions. So UEFA will issue refunds to all 19,618 Liverpool fans who had tickets for the Champions League after the chaos in Paris. In quotes here, we recognize the negative experiences of those supporters on the day. We value the input from the spirit of Shankly and Liverpool Disabled Supporters Association. Um I've got more to come from UEFA, um, but real quickly on that. Is that enough from UEFA?
1: No, (laughs) because it doesn't take away from the actual in-game experience. And I know that there was much more And James. You and I were going back and forth in our chat, but there was much more than tickets not being honored and people not being able to get into the stadium that happened on that day. I still think more needs to be done.
4: I yeah. Just, just, just let me dive in there. Um, as I, I was, you know, I was talking to Liverpool fans that were coming through the stadium. Um, obviously we, I was there very early, but went the same way that, that, that many of these Liverpool fans that went through the hardest times in um, Paris did. And I can honestly say, I, and I know I spoke to Liverpool fans as well. that said, they can't believe that no one died on that day. Um, you are talking a gap of maybe two, three meters hmm. um, in which, tens of thousands of supporters were trying to get through um it was policed atrociously it was policed based on the reputation a reputation that liverpool fans don't deserve um and that we well know um is it genuinely a miracle that no one died the, the french police and frankly you know i mean like there should be questions about paris's ability as well to host events because the French police responded to the difficulties Liverpool fans were facing and the actions of a small, small number of local fans that clearly saw there was chaos here and they could get into the final by jumping the fence. Responded by hurling tear gas. Um, I know that because I spent a very long time spluttering um, because tear gas was held pretty indiscriminately. Um, The compensation is nowhere near... Like, getting the money back for your ticket is nowhere near enough for this. Um, And, I mean, like, certainly... I I know there are people I spoke to who I I suspect will never
3: forget uh, Mm. the the harrowing experience of James, that's it. That's it. It's experience. It's what lives with you after an experience like that. I think we've all been to a game, you know. Obviously, we've been players as well, but been to games as fans where we've seen a few sketchy things at games that maybe sticks in the back of your mind to prevent from ever going to that game or that stadium or that area or that moment ever again. You never want to see those things. And it can happen, but that was on another level. That was extreme. And to just offer tickets back or ticket prices back to people who have been really affected is quite quite frankly, embarrassing, but James real quickly. It's not necessarily just that it's also what happened after the fact it was the blaming of Liverpool Mm. fans. It was also the negativity towards Liverpool fans that I found really freaking embarrassing from the local policing. And then of course, UEFA thereafter that I just think is unacceptable. There's not necessarily been this apology. You are completely right. And let's, let's
4: be, let's call a spade a spade here. Um, What, you know, the the police did and the cover-up that South Yorkshire police um, did over Hillsborough um, has besmirched the name of Liverpool fans. And I remember seeing tweets, getting replies to tweets, and then reading in the days after what the French authorities were saying. And I was there and you knew that this was a lie. You knew that they were trying to do the same thing again. Thank goodness they've not been allowed to get away with it, that in 2022 we all have these videos, you you know, we know what happened that day. Um, And thank goodness that that we've been able to, to, uh, to tell that story. And, and, you know, colleagues as well, like Rob Draper have done a far better job than I, it's, it it can never happen again. And, And Liverpool fans deserve an awful, awful lot more than just what
3: is probably still a couple of hundred quid back. I'm not done yet with UEFA, Nigel. I'm coming to you on this one here. No Eintracht Frankfurt fans in Napoli after UEFA intervention. Eintracht Frankfurt were informed yesterday late evening from UEFA, uh, European soccer body. UEFA and Italy's interior ministry would issue regulation today that bans the Italian club from selling tickets to fans of Eintracht Frankfurt for the return leg on March 15th. The German club said, I mean, to me... In particular, this is obviously very upsetting. And one of the reasons why is because fans clashed in Frankfurt. So what they've done is they've completely banned Frankfurt fans from being able to get a hold of tickets. I mean... This is not a good look. Eintracht Frankfurt are really unhappy about this. Competi- uh, uh, comments came out. It said it's a serious and unacceptable interference by the Italian security authorities in their organization and culture of European club competition. That was from Eintracht Frankfurt CEO, who was really upset by this decision. No Eintracht Frankfurt fans, Nigel.
2: That's horrible. I mean, if I'm honest, Ian and, and everyone here, Mike and James, I'm not surprised. This is what happens when football goes very corporate. And that's the problem. We've gone so corporate now, it's being run on a kind of corporate level and it's taken away the beautiful game that we love from real football fans. And that's the problem. You know, if everything that's going on, the whole hooliganism thing and, you know, the stigma that lies with certain countries and people and rivalry, yes, that's there. And I think just to go to the discussion you guys had earlier about Liverpool fans, that's the stigma of Liverpool fans. And also, they know it's the stigma of English football fans. They're all hooligans drugs, and drunks and louts. That's what they want to put out there because of what's been put out there in the press in the past. For me, with this situation there, it takes away from the atmosphere. It takes away from everything else. For UEFA, with all the money that they make, all the money that they generate, they should be able to pay for better policing for these events and venues to make sure all fans are safe. But instead of paying for more security and to create an atmosphere for fans to enjoy, they'd probably rather pocket their money and then spend it on their own expenses and the lavish lifestyle that all these elected UEFA officials live. So for me, it's, it, it's horrible, but it's sad because that's the way the game is going because it's been heavily corporately run and they're taking the joy away from many people.
1: Yeah, just quick point for me. I'm bummed if this stands, because watching last year's Europa League run and Frankfurt winning it, their fans travel really, really well. We saw it at the Camp Nou when they blasted Barcelona in front of their home fans. So I'm with you, Nigel, and I'm bummed at what could have been and should have been an amazing atmosphere, not just the home fans, but brought also in by the away fans.
3: Yeah, like I said, at the end of the day, I'll finish off with this. This is an entertainment business. We're in here let's make it safe for fans who are exactly. out to enjoy time away from their lives. This beautiful game is what takes people away from the BS that they're living with day to day, whether it's work, whether it's health issues, whether it's anything that's that's disappointing or poor in their life. Maybe they're having a fantastic time, but they want to make their day even better by going to watch a game and enjoy a moment, maybe enjoy a trip to Naples to, to watch a game. Um, Certainly, I hope that UEFA does better with situations like this. And James, absolutely fantastic on the Liverpool fans as well. We appreciate all you've done there. All right, everybody, thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks for all the comments. Thanks for liking, subscribing, sharing the show. To everybody in Portugal who's watching the show, including Fred Moniz, shout out to you. You're a Benfica fan. We love you. We appreciate all of our Portuguese fans out there. Um, Great show, says Matt Osmond. And uh, yeah. To, to Nigel's family members who are in the chats as well. Bigging <laughs> up Nigel. Right, Ayoko, that's my father-in-law, you know,
2: by the way. way. No. That's my father-in-law. Oh, I, I converted him from the ultimate Yankees and Knicks fan to be a football groupie. He follows the, the Bundesliga, <laughs> the Premier League and La Liga like you wouldn't believe, Ian. Trust me.
3: I love I love to hear it. I love to hear it, Nigel. He probably follows it more than you. All right, we're back again <laughs> on Wednesday post-games to review all the action. Uh, we can't wait for that one. Thanks to everybody who's listening to As The Champions. Take a minute, please, to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We are available on Apple Podcasts. We're also available on Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts. We're also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Boys, see you tomorrow after the games, everybody.